I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin. Except no substitute. Welcome, 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 dear listeners, or should I say willkommen, bienvenue, vitami. I don't know about you, dear listeners, but I am trying to get through this international break weekend the best way that I can. It feels a little bit like um, that song by America, I'm walking through a desert on a horse with no name. So I thought I'd fill the void of our collective mill experience by trying to tie in together the international scene and and Millwall, and consider with me, dear listeners, the list of international games played at the Den um, since, obviously, the, the first Den's creation in 1911. There's been a few, not many, a few international-level games played at our dear ground. And for this list, I'm indebted, absolutely indebted, to a great book uh, by Dave Sullivan, well-known Mill historian. Um, it's called Mill Miscellany. It's about 10 years old. I bought it off of Amazon. And it's actually stacked full of tidbits of information about our, our dear club, including this particular list that I'm working from today. So a huge thank you to Dave because um, it makes life so much easier when somebody else has pulled together this, this kind of information. Um, but first up, it's probably the biggest... The, the, the only full international, the biggest game, the only full international ever to be played at Millwall was in 1911, March the 13th to be precise. It was one of the Home International series, which for younger listeners, the Home Internationals were a, a wonderful end of season tournament played between each of the home nations, England, Scotland, Wales, uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, subject to the political changes. Um, that all ended in the early 80s when um, there was just a general feeling that England were not getting anything out of these kinds of tournaments. And so I think they preserved the England-Scotland fixture for a few seasons afterwards, but even that fell by the wayside. A tremendous shame, in my opinion, because it was always um, it was a traditional end-of-season highlight to look forward to certainly England versus Scotland, but also the England-Northern Ireland-England-Wales games and, and so on. I think attendances fell quite dramatically. Some of the Wales versus Northern Ireland games were attracting very, very low attendances, and that was one of the reasons upon which um, the tournament was ultimately finished. It's also known as the British Championships, home internationals in our time. Um, but this particular game, England 3, 
Wales nil was played on March the 13th, 1911. Just, what's that, that four or five months after the opening of the Den in Colblow Lane. Mill having moved, famously moved from the Isle of Dogs across the River Thames to New Cross. 25,000 people attended this um, home international game. Um, James Murray's book, Lions of the South, is excellent on this. The <laughs> the club had some problems in that most of the ground was not yet uh, concreted terracing. Um, presumably it was just earth bank embankments. Um, so imagine 25,000 people standing in the old den, if you, if you can imagine that. Um, but not on concrete, on earthen um, embankments. It must be something like out of the Stone Age. They've also not <laughs> not allowed, um, there was not enough turnstiles to get the crowd in. There must have been chaos, utter, utter chaos. Uh, the Den had been not long opened in October 1910. That was also a chaotic opening day. Famously, the ground was opened by Lord Kinnaird of the FA. And um, he went to the wrong end of the ground, had to be hoisted over the, the, the barriers to get him into the ground to actually do the ribbon cutting ceremony. So um, that must have been chaos. This almost certainly sounds like a chaotic afternoon. I mean, it was a full international. And I think this is what struck me doing uh, this this little bit of um, research. I mean, with Lord Kinnaird opening the uh, the ground, he was a mainstay of the actual one, the formative um figures in the formation of the FA in the 1860s. He'd played in a record number of five FA, he had five FA Cup winners medals. I think he played in nine finals, I read. Um, major figure in the world of uh, football administration as it as it began in the 1860s. Um, and also in, in, in the world of banking. So my point being that for a man of his stature and his standing in British society, to open up the den uh, and then for it to be um, given the privilege of staging an international match gives you some sense of that pre-First World War standing that the club held. Um, obviously since then <laughs> that uh, standing has dissipated. I think that's probably the most di diplomatic way I can put it um, with a few fits and starts since but for the most part it's hard to imagine now the den, even the new den, being allowed the privilege of a full international but certainly we were here in 1911 as I said again finished with a 3-0 win for England there's a great um, front page of the athletic news and cyclists journal on, on the day of the game as a preview they've got some photos of some of the leading lights no Millwall players featured in the game um, so there was no kind of local interest in that sense even so 25,000 turned out for it um, pictures here of uh, Bob Crompton, who is a 41 caps for England, Blackburn Rovers player with 530 appearances between 1896 and 1920. He featured in the game. Um, uh, Bob Evans, who looks like a Sheffield United player, a Welsh Welsh um, international. Uh, the leading footballer of his day was Vivian Woodward, um, who is also pictured here. He played in this particular match. Uh, played for Spurs and Chelsea, but also famously was a member of the First World War Footballers Battalion. Um, big picture of him wearing his England white England shirt there with the the three lions on it. And interestingly, if 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 you like me, you find these things interesting. Um, the brother of future manager Charlie Hewitt played in this particular game. His name was Tom Hewitt, and he played in 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 a fullback role. Um, played for Wrexham apparently. 
Um, strange how these 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 links. I'm just looking at the Welsh side actually. There's also a famous name, Billy Meredith, who was a Manchester United player. I think he was one of the early big transfer um, figures in in the game. Um, and another one, uh, the Reverend Kenneth Hunt, <laughs> K Hunt, what a name, um, who played for for Leighton FC, not Leighton Orient, Leighton FC, and he was actually a Reverend and a man of uh, God. A muscular Christian he's described of in this profile that I'm just looking at here. Um, he also featured um, goals for Woodward. We've already mentioned him. 1-0 in 65 minutes. Vivian Woodward scored the opener. George Webb, who played for West Ham. West Ham. Um, he also struck two minutes later on the 67th minute. And um, finally another one for Vivian Woodward. Second goal for 80 on 83 minutes to seal the win. For England, that was a 3.30 kickoff on Monday, the 13th of March, 1911. Wonderful details you get from this. I've got a, actually a, a match report here. Um, the game itself seems to have been um, slightly of a disappointment. Um, this is from the Daily Herald, printed on the 14th of March, 1911. International in the snow. It snowed in March. Can you believe that, dear listeners? The Herald was unimpressed by proceedings, though. The international game between England and Wales was played at the Den, Millwall. No, Millwall was Newcross. Yesterday, under as bad conditions as could very well be imagined. When it was not snowing, it was raining. And before the end, the ground showed distinct signs, signs of wear, which is putting it mildly, says this journalist. However, the men stuck to their work in commendable fashion. And for those of the onlookers who were not exposed to the elements of the game, it was quite enjoyable. Wales didn't put up much of a fight as be, has been anticipated. Um, they came into the game with, in some form, apparently. And though they kept their lines intact till after the refresher, that means half-time, they eventually had to knuckle under by three clear goals. Um, right from the commencement, it was obvious that the Welshmen were in for a bad time. For the England, the English forwards fairly reveled in the heavy going. The heavy going at Millwall, can you imagine that? Snow, rain, standing on bare earth or bare ground embankments. Um, and you're down the old Kent Road, so that was that. That was quite an honour for uh, Millwall. Um, clearly, as we've said before, the Lions of the South were seen as one of the major clubs, particularly in the south of England, and to be given the blessing of an FA opening for the ground just a few months before in 1910, and then the privilege of staging a full international shows you some measure of how highly regarded Millwall was seen obviously the first world war and then you know the 20s 30s second world war would would pass in a long while in actual fact until anything remotely close to a game of that standing um that would be uh, given to the den the next international fixture from dave's list goes from 1911 there for england three wales nil all the way up to 1989 this was an england b international england b Versus Yugoslavia B. Um, Yugoslavia, and I suppose I ought to explain this for younger listeners, but Yugoslavia being the um, the federated nation of what is now Serbia, Croatia, Montenegro, uh, Bosnia, all of which descended into civil war. Not as a result of this game, I hasten to add, but it was played quite close to the demise of the country as Yugoslavia. This was played on December the 12th, 1989 at Colblow Lane again. England B2. 
Yugoslavia B1. Went the 2 1 win for the English side there. Goals from future Mill manager, another link. Dennis Wise would score the opener on seven minutes for England. Mike Newell, I believe, was he an English, Everton player, I think? Mike Newell, 64 minutes, made it 2 0. And then a Yugoslav player, I don't know, Miladinovic on 82 minutes. I've got a report here from the Daily Mirror. Um, the, the main um, point from the game really was the the arrival on the scene of Paul Gascoigne. Um, England 2, Yugoslavia 1. Gaza steals the show. Magic Man, says the Daily Mirror, dated the 13th of, of tw- uh, December 1989. England boss Bobby Robson last night put Paul, Paul Gascoigne under the microscope at Millwall, um, but missed half an hour of his, of his magic. Um, Robson was delayed by heavy traffic, so we had rain and snow in the first international back in 1911 and then heavy traffic and it did get quite heavy trying to get to Colblow Lane didn't it dear listeners for those of you that ever drove it um Robbie Robson didn't arrive until 30 minutes into the game after the start of this B international at the den by then England were a goal ahead Gaza had helped make make it so Gaza was the assist Dennis Wise was the opener on seven minutes and it showed that he is equipped to make the World Cup finals in Italy. That will be played a year later in 1990. Um, Bobby Robson, it continues, wanted one more look at the flamboyant Spurs star before he decided whether to promote him to the senior side. And he answered the temperament questions and talent questions. Uh, last night, the fat boy was a good boy, says Nigel Clark of the Daily Mirror. A real arrival on the scene for Paul Gascoigne. Um, for me... And I don't know about you, dear listeners, you might differ with me on this. For me, Paul Gascoigne was the single most talented Englishman I've ever seen play. I was privileged to actually say I saw him because we played Spurs in that promotion season, 88-89. They demolished us uh, They demolished us at White Hart Lane and put five past us at Cold Blow Lane. Uh, certainly the one at White Hart Lane, which was a free... Was it 3-0 or 3 3-1? 3-0, I think. It was a, a Gaza show. I mean, there's there's no disputing that he ran the show. He responded to the um, insults from the terraces, famously sticking the ball up his jump, up his shirt, so the fat boy, uh, and then proceeded to put a free kick from distance past Brian Horn. Uh, I think that opened the scoring from memory. Um, he turned it on, and the, the, the more the barracking came down, the more he turned it on, as do the great players, I mean, including Ian Wright, actually, who's also mentioned in this particular report. Um, the England team that day, in goal for England, uh, Chris Woods, substituted by Nigel Martin. Chris Woods, Sheffield Wednesday. Nigel Martin made his name at Crystal Palace. Lee Dixon, replaced by Mel Sterland. Um... M Forsyth, I can't remember that might M Forsyth, can't remember him. David Batty, Leeds player, Andy Linegan, Arsenal, um, replaced by Gary Pallister of Manchester United, Tony Adams, Dennis Wise, we've mentioned, Paul Gascoigne, Ian Wright, replaced by Mike Newell, P Williams, that Paul Williams, I think he was a Southampton player, and then Peter Beagree, replaced by Gary Parker. That was the England side. So that's a decent England side, even with the substitutions. Um, so England 2, Yugoslavia 1B, um, 8,231, um, which um, was not, not that high a crowd, was it, dear listeners? Um, and that was part one of the things, I mean, you compare that, I know it was a full international, the first game, and different times and all the rest of it, 
20, 25,000 turning out for Cold Blood Lane, and then just 8,000 um, in 1989. I, I don't know, maybe that was, um, it probably reinforced the FA's desire not to give too much to Millwall. Um, I'm amazed we actually got that. Well, these were in the first division days for 88, 89, so it was um, 89, 80, the 90 season, sorry. So maybe we were trying desperately to re-establish our credentials with the FA and that was a reward. Uh, we would get another international fixture. Um, that was played in 1989, that B1 between England and Yugoslavia. We would get an under-21 international, which is not actually, you know, I suppose they're both prestigious in their different ways. In 1994, we would lose at home, England being we. I'm including myself in this, so apologies if you're not English. I'm presuming that you're in the we of being English. Dear listeners, I apologise if that's not the case. Um, England under 21-1, Poland under 21-2. That was played at the New Den to celebrate the um, opening of the new ground on the 7th of September 1994 as part of the UEFA under 21 championships. Um, the English goal being scored by Ugo Ehiog is a name from the past. Ugo Ehiog. That was played in front of just 5,390. I know that um, under 21 games don't get the, the, the crowds, obviously. They, they don't now. They, they tend to be spread out over different locations away from Wembley, don't they? And I, I think this was part of that programme of um, playing you know, the under-21 games at smaller venues. and as The then new den had not long been opened, so you had that linkage again of new ground we did in 1911 with Wales, and we do again here in 93 with um, the England-Poland game. Uh, the England team for this under-21 international, Ian Walker in goal, remember him? Ian Walker. Matthew Jackson for Evan, I don't remember him. Ugo Ehiog, I remember him, Aston Villa. Neil Cox... Brian Small, also of Aston Villa, three Villa players in the side. Darren Anderson, famously, would um, go on to bigger things with, with Spurs. Um, replaced by Michael Sheeran, I don't remember him. Gary Flickcroft, I do remember. Manchester City. Jamie Redknapp played in this particular game for England. Replaced by Neil Ardley, who would be involved as um, a player with Millwall uh, late in his career. He's a Wimbledon player at this point. Steve McManaman, um, younger listeners will know his voice from the BT Sports coverage. He's a, he's a pundit on there. Then Andy Cole for Newcastle at this time and, and Chris Sutton playing for Norwich at this point. Um, so yeah, England won, England under 21s won, Poland two. Um, that would be the final time that the FA <laughs> would endorse Millwall Football Club with one of their big games, England uh, games. We do have a couple of other international fixtures played at the New Den since. These have been kind of uh, stadiums for hire type setups. We have a Ghana 1, Senegal 1 friendly match played on August the 21st, 2007. Um, a couple of big names involved in that. El Haji Diouf playing for Senegal, who scored the goal in the 72nd minute. Um, and I saw another name for, for in, the, in the Ghanaian side. Where is it? Junior Agogo. 85 minutes. Uh, Michael Essien, there he is. Michael Essien playing for, for Ghana. Um, and their goal was scored by Az Azimo again in the 43rd minute. So they take the lead and then Senegal equalised in the 72nd minute. That was played in front of... We don't have a crowd for it on this. This is a, a screenshot from International Football 
website. No crowd for that. Um, refereed by Andy Durso, who would later haunt our collective imaginations, wouldn't he? Andy Durso, international friendly. And the final, um, similar kind of setup, um, hiring the, the stadium out for, for kind of um, friendly games. Arsenal went through a phase of doing that with uh, Argentina and Brazil playing there, I remember. We did it with Jamaica nil, Nigeria nil, friendly game played in uh, the 11th of the 2nd, 2009. Um, and it actually refers to Brazil playing Italy the previous night at the Emirates Arsenal Stadium. Um, 5,000 turned out for a goalless draw, it says here. Um, not much on offer in terms of playing it. The article is um, very patronisingly written, as, as so often with the press, I find. Um, you always have to refer to um, prison life and, and criminality when you're talking about Mill, don't you? There's there's a, a couple of paragraphs here about um, prison chance, um, people being moved from different wings. and These are conversations allegedly heard at the old Coldblow Lane, which is completely irrelevant to this particular game. But the whole thing um, is just like a like a patronising take on, um, like an only fools and horses view of, of what regular life might be like, I don't know. Uh, written by The Guardian, so I suppose that reinforces every every prejudice you might have about that liberal newspaper. Um, John, John Barnes was managing the Jamaica side for this particular game, and Michael John Obi was playing for the Super Eagles of Nigeria, but nil-nil it finished in front of just 5,000 and something. Not particularly memorable game. And that's been the final international level game played at our ground, dear listeners. Just one or two other uh, talking points that, that Dave did list in his book, Mill Miscellany. There's a, a international 11, Canadian 11, played Mill Athletic in 1891. This would be at the Athletic Ground back on the Isle of Dogs. So we're going back a long way now. Uh, that was the first overseas side to play Millwall. And it was the 36th game of the Canadian team's tour this was played at 11 uh this was played at the athletic ground so on 23rd 23rd the 11th 1896 um the sporting life um mentions a crowd of 4,000 spectators lining the ropes um uh, had the weather not been so unfavorable they would have expected more greatly augmented would have been to the crowd they say um, at one point it appeared that play might be stopped owing to darkness intervening but fortunately the light became better so we've got a, a, a grim day on the Isle of Dogs um, one each for the Canadians and a Millwall side in 1896 we've mentioned before on these shows and I'm not going to flog it the 9-0 win over a German Select F11 played in 1896 that was played before the German Football Association the Deutsche Fußballbund was formed so it was actually just a kind of um, uh, an 11 put together by by certain figures in the German game. That was the biggest defeat of the German t- uh, teams too in 1896. We have touched on that before, so I won't, I won't bang on about that. I'm sure I've also mentioned in, 18, in 1967 a Mule win over the Italian Olympic 11 ahead of um, the, the Mexico Olympics tournament in 1968. Um, this, this was played in August 1967, Mumble won the Italian Olympic 11-0, Keith Weller scoring direct from a corner apparently, and I've certainly mentioned this fixture before, I remember speaking about it, Mill 3, the United Arab Emirates won 
That was played on the 21st of August 1984 at Harlow. What a strange place for... Must have been like a pre-season warm-up game. I had very little detail on that fixture. Um, played in Harlow, Mill 3, UAE 1. Wonderful fixture that never happened. Can you include that on a, on a podcast? I, I think I can do whatever I want to, dear listeners. Millwall versus Iran. <laughs> the July 2005 in the in the wake of the um, incidents in the terrorist incidents in London um, it got cancelled for sit on security grounds uh, that would have been a wonderful event <laughs> being there wouldn't it Millwall versus Iran it got cancelled in the light of um, those tragedies and um, probably for the best probably for the best so there we are. And finally, um, one last game. And um, I didn't go to this one. I kind of wish I did, um, but I didn't. Uh, the, the Unity in the Community Cup. Were you there, dear listeners? I wasn't. Um, I think I put it in the category of being a friendly game, a pre-season warm-up. Played in 2007 in August, so it probably was a warm-up. Mill 2. Sierra Leone 1. Goals by Neil Harris in the fourth minute and then a late, late winner by Gary Alexander. Um, brief report from the BBC. Sierra Leone suffered a 2-1 defeat at the hands of English League One side Mill in London um, on a, at a friendly on Saturday. Mill got off to a dream start and took the lead with just three minutes on the clock. Dave Brammer providing a deep curling de- delivery which Neil Harris was perfectly placed to head past goalkeeper Christian Corker. But the Leone stars rallied and grabbed the equaliser 12 minutes later through Jibrila Kargbo, who thumped an unstoppable shot past Chris Day. There's a name, Chris Day, remember him? The home side sealed the win deep, deep into injury time when Gary Alexander took advantage of a defensive slip-up to seal the win. Sierra Leone missed most of the, their European-based players, as most of them are involved in pre-season preps ahead of the new season. That's from the BBC's website, and that's dated the 5th of August, 2007, Unity in the Community Cup. I've seen that. I've been in the um, boardroom for various reasons over time. And there's a there's a very small trophy cupboard. We don't have a big trophy cupboard, do we, at Millwall? But the Unity in the Community Cup resides there. Probably ours for life. I can't see it ever being replayed. Um, there we are. Those are all by the ways. None of those are really featuring as full-scale internationals. So the full list of international games played with Millwall, we've mentioned England 3, Wales 0 in 1911. Then we have to wind forward to the England B2, Yugoslavia B1 in 1989. Um, England under 21s 1, Poland 2 in 1994. And then these um, tour games, friendly games, Ghana 1, Senegal 1 in 2007. And Jamaica 0, Nigeria 0. In 2009, nothing since. So few and far between, I think, is the um, the way that I'd put that, dear listeners. I can't imagine um, we're being allowed anything other than kind of tour games, and even those seem to have faded away somewhat. So anyway, we'll see. Fascinating little list. Huge thank you to Dave Sullivan and his book for giving me the uh, the framework in which to try and fill in some of the of the colour around those fixtures. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this little interlude. Um, we're looking now at the resumption of club football from next weekend onwards. We'll go to Middlesbrough and I'm hoping to bring you a post-match edition from the Riverside Stadium. So until then, dear listeners, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. 
And from myself, Nick Hart, thank you for listening and Arriva Dirty Mill. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, do you know all? Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.